God, here we are again today in um, just this piece of our life. And we're speaking to you and you're communicating back to us. And I thank you for everything that you're doing in our life. I thank you for um, things in our lives that um, we don't even see, but you're at work. I pray that today that you give us eyes to see, hearts to receive, God, um, feet willing to be obedient, and a mind that can just comprehend um, some of your truths. In Jesus' name, amen. Usually I come in here with um, six pages of notes. Today I came in with three, because I'm trying to not go until like 12. So I have three pages of notes, so it could be 20 minutes. So um, one of the things that um, we're going to continue in is the common versus normal series, right? So we're talking about what, what we commonly get stuck in, but there's a difference from co uh, what's common and what's normal in Christianity, right? So what's common is that most people around us, we always try to restore them to a place of relationship, right? Oh, sorry, restore them to a place of rules rather than relationship. What's normal in Christianity is that we're always restored back to the cross and to a relationship. So common is um, rules, normal is relationship. And Ron talked with us last week about the hold me back guy, right? What's common in our walk as people and even as Christians, is to run from accountability. It's common. This is very common. Ah, uh, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know if I want to do that. What's normal in Christianity is to always have the pull-me-back guy, right? It's very normal to have accountability in your life. And as I was thinking through what's common and what's normal, the other thing that I thought about is where we think and what we think about. So really what triggered me to think about that was Probably 85% um, of the time, or 90, what I'm thinking about is this church. Whether it be praying, um, whether it be dreams, ideas, and then things I like to see fixed, and uh, church colors, and um, painting. And Lynn figured out that actually this color is chocolate, more chocolate. Because we brought a true black in here the other day. And we said, this isn't black, this is chocolate. So we're thinking about all these colors and um, how to run leadership moving forward. How we, um, just thinking about how to fix things, right? How many of you guys ever try to think about how to fix things? Any of you? And what ends up happening is my mind's always thinking about fix this. Fix this person. Fix that person fix this person, fix myself. And it's always thinking about how to fix things. And one day on my way home from church, God said, when did I tell you to think about how to fix everything? Where in scripture do you find it, Joey, for you to worry about fixing everything? I said, well, God, what else am I going to think about? What else? Like, isn't, isn't that my gift? to you speak to me and I discern it and I worry about how to fix things. And even in that, it's, those thoughts aren't inherently bad. But that's not exactly what God always calls me to think about. 
So today we want to talk about thinking appropriately. What's normal in Christianity? And again, there's books probably on this stuff. So we could do a whole series or a half a year. This is just a very um, small piece. So I believe that God wants us to experience joy in often how we think about life and our situations, the people around us, is um, what determines that. The way that you think about your situation will often determine the joy that you experience. So I wanted to talk about our brain for a minute. Now, some of our brains are a little bit better in here. Um, Ron's brain is very good. Um, Sammy's brain, on the other hand. <laughs> you ever see Sammy? As the pastor of the church, right, I got my brother a triple cup and coffee on his way in every morning. I'm thinking, they must think that my brother's a glutton. He's not good with resources. Your brain. So, your brain, the human brain, is 73%, or by some studies, 78% water. It takes only 2% dehydration to affect your attention, your memory, and other cognitive skills. So, Sammy's really going to be dehydrated later, and that's why he can't think clearly. <laughs> the latest estimate is that our brains contain roughly 86 billion brain cells. That's a lot of brain cells. A piece of brain tissue the size of a grain of sand contains 100,000 neurons and 1 billion synapses all communicating with each other. One billion. Your brain generates about 12 to 25 watts of electricity. This is enough to power a low wattage LED light. Your brain has, this one, this one really got me, your brain has 400 plus miles of, brains, of blood vessels, sorry. 400 miles of blood vessels in my brain? How does that even work? Simply put, when God designed us and when God designed our brain, he did it very uniquely. And our brain is a very important piece of our temple. The average brain is believed to generate 50,000 thoughts per day. That's a lot, too. How, let's just see how honest we are. How many of you guys probably had a bad thought this morning? Can I get a witness? How many of you guys had a good thought this morning? What about just a negative thought? It doesn't even have to be bad. 50,000 thoughts. I'm thinking while I'm sharing right now. Thought, 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 thought. Nevertheless, what I wanted to do is I wanted to get into the brains of a few people here at church today. So I was thinking of Bob and Teresa. What is Bob thinking about right now? (laughs) 
Bob is thinking about a houseboat. He's thinking about vacation, warmer weather, grilling, having family down. And then I thought about, well, what's, what is going on with Andrew and Krista right now? They had the Christmas walk. <laughs> so they're sleeping. So now that they're awake, what do they really look like? During church, this is what I see because they're so tired from all the effort they put in with the Christmas walkers. I'll never see you guys the same. All right. Now, you really want to know what's going on in the, in the brain or the mind of a pastor, right? If you had to guess, guess, what am I thinking about? Let's see. Survey says. <laughs> Survey says. Right now, I'm thinking about Chipotle. <laughs> see, not all of our thoughts are always as pure and innocent and fun as those, right? The past month that I've been thinking about sharing, about what we think about and thinking appropriately, I've been challenged to try to keep my thoughts accountable. There's often justification in our thoughts, right? It's just a thought. It's just a thought. Well, I'll just think about this a little bit longer. I'll finish the thought and then I'll quit. See, all of our thoughts are different. Some are good, some are not. But God actually calls us to choose what we think about, to keep those thoughts accountable to his word. Martin Luther said this, you can't I shared this a couple of weeks ago, you can't prevent a bird from landing on your head. But what you can do is you can prevent a bird from building a nest on your head, right? I can do that. That's how I do that. I'm going to test you on your techniques later. Today, we're going to practice our, our bird swapping techniques. Let me see it, Jimmy. What you got? Let me see that. Jimmy ain't got no technique. <laughs> He's like, uh-uh. If all of my thinking goes unchecked, it can and likely will lead me to a place of having a hardened heart or to a destructive place of sin. Don't we realize that if our thoughts go unchecked, it often leads us to a destructive place, a hardened heart, a place where we say, God, how did I get here? I don't want to be here. I heard someone once say, when temptation is your constant companion, sin is not far away. When all I'm doing is thinking negatively. How, now look, if, if all I ever think about is the things that I want to see fixed here at the church, what's my perception of the church going to be? Well, we're not living into our potential. 
that's the way that I then interact with the church of is then is, well, we have a lot of potential, but we're not living into it. Or if we could just paint, or if we could just, 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 right? The more I think, good or bad, that's where my, um, my heart will be. So sin is not far behind. Nevertheless, so many of us know the typical things that um, we shouldn't think about, right? But I'm going to give us a few examples today. And the biggest thing we um, think about is our lusts, right? Lusts look differently for many of us within the room. Now, there's three categories that we're going to talk about today. Some of you may be familiar with them. Some of you may not. We first have, um, well, the categories are lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. So, lust of the flesh. The lust of the flesh is the temptation that makes you um, desire to feel physical pleasure from some sinful activity to do something to make the flesh feel fulfilled. It can involve any type of sinful activity that will bring pleasure to your body. Examples. Sexual sins, right? Gossip. Physical violence. Drugs food, and gluttony. So often we feel so inadequate that we need to feel something. We're the now generation. Just, just help me feel something. Help me know that I'm alive. When our thoughts are always in this um, state of temptation, because of what we're choosing to think about, it often manifests in these types of ways. I need to feel something, so um, I'm gonna eat. I need to feel something, so I need to put someone in my plate, in their place. Or sexual sins, right? In public or in private. Paul describes in Galatians 5, uh, verse 19 through 21, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit, inherit the kingdom of God. We're messed up people, but we have a good God, right? If those kinds of sin lead to such eternal punishment or lack of joy in our life, it's interesting why we're so addicted to them, right? I think a lot of us are addicted to them because at this point we haven't renewed our mind, right? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
Next category is the lust of the eyes. The lust of the eyes differs in this way. It is when we look at or on things we shouldn't. In other words, it is to cast our eyes upon something with desire or pleasure, even though we know God has not approved it for us. So, examples, coveting. We talked about, um, we talked about King David a couple weeks ago, right? What was King David doing when he was uh, walking around up top? He saw Bathsheba, and then he was coveting after her. He was desiring something, wanting something that was not rightfully his. Not only... Um, should he have been somewhere else, but he was desiring someone else's wife. To covet means to have a yearning or a strong desire to have something that rightfully belongs to someone else. We often covet when we think that's not fair that they have that. We can easily get caught up in that. Well, what did you do to earn that? Well, I want that. I desire that. Other examples of um, lust of the eyes, the way that we think, is through pornography. Desiring material possessions or status and appearance. We covet it. We want it. And then the last category is the pride of life. The pride of life is the sinful temptation to be like God, but apart from him. Examples of this is to take credit or glory for the things that others or God did. We've all probably taken credit for something we didn't really do, right? Another example is desiring for others to worship us or for someone else to put us on a pedestal. Another example is wanting to feel better than or more important than those around us. We've all probably been there too. A sense of inadequacy within our heart. Finally, desiring a position for the sake of power or significance. See, this is common Christian thinking. We get stuck in our mess. We get stuck in our thinking. We get stuck in our stuff. Thinking about right now, right now, what do I need right now? Now, you know, whenever you face the deepest, darkest hour of temptation, you feel like there's no way out. I need it right now. And then right after you complete or finish the temptation, whatever it have, whatever, whenever you step into it, you say, that wasn't what I thought it would be. That wasn't as good as I wanted it to be. I yelled at someone. Now I feel bad. The temptation didn't do what you thought it would do. It only probably made things worse. We feel like 
Um, yeah. We feel like we can meet our perceived needs through the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and through the pride of life. Where are your thoughts? When you come in on a Sunday morning, where are your thoughts? Are you saying, God, I anticipate you to do something? Or are you saying, is Joey going to tell another joke this morning? Or during worship, is it, are you saying, I don't prefer the song, but I'll worship to it? Or, I don't like this song. Or, I don't like the bulletins. Or, I wish they had more color. Where are your thoughts? Where your thoughts go, often your heart will follow, it seems like, right? So, I need to feel important, so what do I do? I strive to achieve a position. I'm lonely, so I sacrifice my purity for false intimacy. I always covet someone else's grass because things are not going the way that I've intended. There's always something, isn't there? Always something else to think about. I am hurt. So, what, so I will do whatever I can to make this person pay me back. What are you thinking about? Because scripture in every one of those situations, if we're thinking about scripture, if we're thinking about the long term, it's going to speak to us um, about a different, a different uh, action. So I have, uh, I'm going to let Sammy redeem himself this morning since I was so hard on him. Here, Sammy, can you come here, please? Por favor. Why don't you take that as far as you can go? So Francis Chan actually had this and um, used this. Oh, boy. I said as far as you can go. Maybe that's as far as you can go. <laughs> All right. So um, Francis Chan had this analogy several years ago. And what he said, Sammy, that's probably good right there. I mean, we don't need to wrap the whole church up. But what he said was this, is hypothetically believe that this string right here goes on forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And this rope, this string represents eternity. Just keeps on going and going and going. And right now, this part of the string right here, this purple, maroon, represents your life. We're living this piece right here of eternity. What happens is this, is if this, Gracie, you're going to live to like 150. So if this is 150 years and this represents Grace's life, often we make decisions based upon this little string right here. We're so focused on this string in comparison to our, our life. Guess what? When God created you, you are a, 
eternal being. Eternal. I don't know if you've loosened any more of that rope over there. It just keeps on going and going and going, right? And we're making decisions in the heat of a moment based upon this right here. See, our decisions, we th it's common for Christians to focus on this life. The 60 years we've been given, the 30 years, the eight hours we've been given. My niece was given eight hours, McKinley. She had eight hours on this earth, and now she's with Jesus. Often the decisions that we make are based upon this. Not all of eternity. All of eternity. All of eternity. This rope doesn't stop. Millions upon millions upon millions of years can't even comprehend it. Our thinking leads us to make bad decisions on this side. This small piece, just this small piece of tape, it just keeps on going and going and going and going and going and going and going. Isn't it important, Sammy? You can set that down. Thank you. Give Sammy a round of applause. We often focus right now on our problems. And we think so much about our problems that the decisions that we make are not usually based upon all of eternity, right? So when we get mad at someone, what decision do we make? Well, I'll show you. When we get hurt by someone, I'll show you. When we're all alone, by ourselves, and whatever that temptation may be that haunts you, that you can't get away from, and you continue to think about it, and you continue to think about it, you're thinking about the string. And today, what I want to tell you is that appropriate Christian thinking thinks about the future rather than making a bad decision right now. That's what it's about, the future. The future. Ron, when Junior comes in the next couple days, the decisions that you make in your life to lead him about his future in eternity now, certainly you want to make good decisions for him now, but for eternity, Paul alludes to in scriptures, what does he say? How does he think? He says, I long to finish the race well, right? A marathon. Paul's thinking was about finishing the race well. I'm going to finish this race well. So where was he thinking? 
into the future about what was to come, about meeting his maker, right? Because when we meet God, I believe that God's in a good mood. And I, I personally think when I meet God, he's going to also be in a good mood. I don't think God is in heaven mad at us. Because if he's still mad after Jesus dying on the cross for our sins, then why would he have sent Jesus? What a cruel God to still be mad at us after sending his only son to die on the cross so that he didn't have to be mad at us. So that we could walk in eternal relationship with him. God's in a good mood. But in spite of God being in a good mood, there are, scripture alludes to rewards in heaven. When I meet him, I want to have a bunch of rewards, right? Many of us have always said, well, if I could just be a, a, a street sweeper. You don't mean that. And if you mean that, I have a problem. Who wants just to be a street sweeper? Nobody should just want to be just a street sweeper in heaven. Honor God in such a way that you have an abundance of gifts waiting for you there. That you've been given authority over multiple cities. Or Chipotle franchises. I'm working on my 10th. There are rewards in heaven for us. But you know what? We're human. And if we're not reminded of how to think, if we're not re reminded of those rewards, then what do we think about? This. This life. I need my reward right now. But what I'm saying is forget about these rewards. Forget about the acceptance of man. Forget about the lusts of the flesh and the eyes and the pride of the life. And start worrying about the eternal gifts and the presence of God that just go on forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And I better quit soon, right? Because I won't have any more evers. And ever. Let's start thinking about that forever in the presence of God and our in community and fellowship with our friends, family members, and people we've never met to reap the rewards of what we did for one decision that we made. When we, when we fought that temptation and we, when we said, Jesus, I will not fall to this temptation. I will choose to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. I will choose to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness right now. God, that's what I will do. Then you know what he says? Ten cities. Ten cities in you one day. Or five whatever. Or this much closer at the table. For a decision that was based upon eternity. Quit thinking about this. Think about the rest of eternity. When the thing we think about most in our life is fixing our problem, 
we do not have a kingdom perspective. When we think our problem, when we think about our problem, our world becomes so limited and our vision becomes very narrow. Our perspective and our thoughts become here and now. I know here and now is basically all that I know, but as a Christian and as a believer, I have to think about my future. I have to do it. The rest of eternity, literally, we are nothing but a mist, right? Life here is very ephemeral. We are not thinking about the way a normal Christian is called to think. What I believe is normal in Christianity is to have a perspective that focuses on eternity, not right now. We are thinking about the little pieces of tape rather than the never-ending rope. So what are some other scriptures that tell us about thinking? Philippians 4.8. Guys, have your Bibles. You can turn there real quick. Nevertheless, this is what it says. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts. So Mechanicsburg Christian Fellowship or individual name, fix your thoughts on this, on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. So wait a second. When I'm driving around, driving home, and I start thinking about everything I want to fix at the church, and I take that back to this scripture, well, think about what is pure. Well, God, how can I? It's not that the church isn't pure. It's not that there's not good people in the, in the church. But what else is pure? What else is true and honorable? You know what I was thinking about the other day? When I met Makara, and God identified her, and he worked in her life. And I was just amazed that God, week in and week out, chooses to use me. If I'm available, he'll still use me. No matter how insufficient or unqualified I may feel, God still uses me. That's what I think about. God, you are so good that you would go talk to Makara, who has two forms of cancer, has some kind of heartbreak in her life, and you love her so much that you would use me to speak to her about God. Thank you. Or God, how funny is it that when I have my headphones in, I always have ministry. See, when I think about the presence of God and when I remember the things that God has done in my life and when I remember Jesus dying on the cross for my sin, guess what? It's a lot harder for me to think about some of my sins. It's a lot harder for me to consider walking into that temptation. Appropriate thinking is not only about eternity, but about what is good, what is righteous, what is pure. 
We need to start checking those things right when they happen. Right then and there, accountable. Accountable to the word. The word is the best pull me back person ever. It will always be. Pull me back. So the word and then then your spouse. Those are the best pull me backers. I'm going to read it one more time. Fix your thoughts on what is true, what is honorable, what is right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Think about those things this week. But what I wanted to do to wrap up today is I wanted to go back to Hebrews 12. And I wanted to get into the mind of Jesus. What was Jesus thinking about? I hope to base... um, I hope to base my thinking based upon what Jesus' thinking was. Though I understand his ways are not my ways and his thoughts are not my thoughts. I understand that. But I do want to know what he was thinking about. Hebrews, we get to go back to the Hall of Faith chapter. And this, this is what it says, Hebrews 12:2. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of faith for the joy set before him. He endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Wait. For the joy, what's the joy? Who's the joy? We are. We are the joy. A billion upon billion upon billion salvation is his joy. That's his joy. You know, in the Garden of Gethsemane, and Jesus says, if this cup, Father, if this cup could pass another way, If it could pass, would you do it? Can it? But he said, not my will, but your will be done. It was the joy set before him. It was future to come. It was about walking in relationship with us today at Mechanicsburg Christian Fellowship. His thinking was about the future. His thinking was about right now in our life, that we could be set free from the bondage. So what should we think about? We should think about what is pure, what is righteous, right? But we should think about the future. Yes, the future, Brad. Yes, the future. My joy of being in relationship with God forever. For the joy set before Joey, I decided not to continue to think the way that I was thinking. And my joy is to be with my father for eternity. 
my joy is to be a willing vessel for God to use me each day. You know, we're actually, <laughs> I think it's really hard to think one way and then to be used by God. You know what I'm saying? It's like, how can you be furious and fiery and um, unforgiving towards someone and be at Starbucks and then be used? I can't think of one time I've been furious and fiery at someone thinking about how I wanted to hurt them and then be used by God in that same moment. And it's not because God didn't want to use me. It was because my focus was actually on myself. But when I think appropriately, I can be utilized even here today within our church or when I go to Chipotle for lunch. We had an experience a um, month and a half ago at Chipotle. There was a kid sitting there with rare, rare um, bone disease and felt like we needed to pray for him. So what did we do? We went up and we talked with him and we prayed with him that God would bring healing to him. It was really unique. But my thoughts were in the right place. And you know what my thought was? God, you've done it once. I think you'll do it again. Jesus, when you died on the cross, by your stripes we are healed. And one day, um, our friend will be healed on the other side. Stand with me. Our thoughts are on this perspective of our life, so narrow. Christ is calling us to think about the big picture. I know personally how challenging that is. I know that when I go home today, I'm going to have to control my thoughts, take captive my thoughts, as scripture would say. And I'm sure many of us in this room, and I would dare to say all of us in this room, need help with that. Amen? Amen. So what I want to do is, um, if that's you today, where you've just been dominated by your thoughts, or you want help controlling them and having an eternal perspective, then what I want to do is I want to pray. Just asking for a simple response. Just raise your hands. Just a simple response as I pray. And I even, um, I feel like today there's a couple people who um, feel like they need to re-up with God. That they're like, you know what, God, I, I, need, to, I need to re-up with you. It's not that you're, gonna, you're not going to get re-saved. How can you uh, undo what was once born? You can't. So you're not going to get saved again, but it's about a, a new commitment. I, I just, um, I have a sense today that there's a few people in here who want to recommit their life to Christ. So if the elders, um, after the prayer, if you guys would come up here, um, whoever those people are, please respond. Um, that'll be the best decision you've made. And you know what? That is a decision based upon eternity, not right now, right? It's an eternal decision. Let's pray. Can you guys just raise your hands as a response? God, 
we can become so narrow-minded and focused on ourself that we forget about the things that you call us to think about, that we forget about the things you, um, yeah. God, help us think appropriately. Help us think about the big picture of this human life, of walking in relationship with you. Help keep us accountable to our, um, to our thoughts and to your word this week. God, I ask that you would have people call us and text us um, randomly, that you would send us scriptures randomly during a time of temptation. Help us, God. Help us lay down our thoughts to you. In Jesus' name, amen.